Welcome back to the Before Brenna Times. Before your host Josh was steeped in kidlit culture and still figuring out his creative way forward. Joyce Wan was an incredibly gracious guest, giving me a ton of her time and wisdom, as well as patience with my pre-pandemic poor home internet connection. Now here's our theme song. You may contribute a verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster, joined by Brenda Jenneret, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, and podcaster. This is the podcast you make a tribute verse, where we talk to kid lit creators, share their stories, and learn from their journeys. And here's another one from the archives. If you've never listened to this episode, it's a good one. In preparing to rerun it, I rediscovered it. A lot of things went through my head during this re-listen first. A rare glimpse at being actually completely happy with my creative work. This is a really good conversation, and I'm glad and proud of the chance to re-air it. Two, Joyce has a holistic perspective that we don't always get to experience, partially informed by my ignorance into the kidlit world and what it means to be published and have a career in kidlit publishing. I think we managed to go pretty broad and dig deep into aspects of doing business as a kidlit creator. It bears ending on a recognition that we've touched on in other conversations as well, which underpins almost every aspect of this chat with Joyce. Children's books are creativity and a way to reach hearts and build up minds, but they're also a commodity. Facing that aspect of the business in KidLit can help us prepare for the realities that we're engaging in an industry that relies on marketability and saleability and profitability. And we ourselves as creators are commodities as well in a really important sense. I really enjoyed re-listening to Joyce's perspective on her career thus far. Enjoy Joyce's verse. You had mentioned you had mentioned an email that you had done some, and we may keep this because it's kind of pertinent. But you had done some, um, wor- like work trips. I guess work trip means one thing for for me as somebody that has a like a day job. Yes, that um, may include work trips, but uh, but Scholastic sent you some places. Yes, uh, Scholastic had a kind of a joint promotional back to school event with H and M, the retail store. And uh, they were doing some back to school kind of book readings at their store. I believe it was something they were trying out. I was apparently the first author that they had there. um, And it was uh, a store in, believe it or not, in like the middle of downtown Dallas. So Dallas, Texas. Yes. (laughs) So it was my first time in um, Texas, period. So I was actually really excited about it. And it was great. So they uh, sent me there and I um, did a reading of my latest book, Dream Big, uh, to a bunch of kids and their employees and their employees' families. And um, it was very nice. How different is that from some of the events that you It was very do? different. I mean, they hadn't done one of those before, but they, they set it up really nicely, actually. Um, there was like an, an open space for the, the kids to sit down, an open padded space. And um, it wa- it felt a little weird, like doing a book reading in the middle of a clothing store, like <laughs> um, as you can might be able to imagine. But uh, it was uh, it was great. I mean, the kids are always really, really great. And as long as you keep things interactive, I find that people stay engaged. And um, we all, usually all always have a lot of fun. Do you mind being... H&M's and Scholastic's experiment here, like the guinea pig to to try out an event like this? Well, I'm always actually open to, and obviously I'm always enthusiastic and open to promoting my book, you know, so I'm always happy to, and I I feel very grateful that they, you know, they thought of me, they actually presented H&M with a bunch of authors and authors, um, and they 
you know, they were presented with a bunch of books and they actually selected me. So, you know, that was, um, you know, I felt honored that they picked me um, out of all these wonderful authors that Scholastic actually, you know, uh, publishes. I thought it was, you know, I had never been to Texas. And so that was nice. And to meet the people in Texas were just really nice. You know, um, they were really, really nice to me, really great. And um, yeah, it was other than, you know, some of the little hiccups, you know, otherwise it was, it was, it was a great experience. So we can hook this on to, to talk about uh, Dream Big. That is about a month old now? Yes. It came out July 9th. Okay. Yeah. So you went there uh, just after it had published, I guess, went to Dallas. Yes. They actually um, presented me with a bunch of dates before the book even published. Um, and then uh, they, it was like a, it was supposed to be, they, uh, you know, like an end of summer back to school promotion. So they presented me with a bunch of dates and asked me which one of these would work. And I believe they actually did some of these in other H&Ms. I'm not sure how they decided, you know, that's something that happens that I'm not, you know, privy to, but like there was, I believe there was um, a reading in that the H&M in New York city. And I think Peter Reynolds did that one. Um, and I believe there might've been one in Chicago. I'm not sure if they'll be doing more of these, but, but I think it's great. You know, any, anywhere where you can be in front of kids, I think. And I think kids are always so, um, Actually, they're like starstruck, I think, when they see authors. I don't think they necessarily really make a connection that there's like a real person behind these books sometimes. So for them to be, you know, to interact with a person who actually writes the books and illustrates the books, um, I think it really, truly inspires them. So I'm always up for that, you know. I mean, that's why we sign up for this Yeah, I mean, job, not, right? not necessarily to be like superstars <laughs> and make kids awestruck, but but it's a nice right. perk for sure. Right, right. I mean, not to make them starstruck, but I, uh, I think, I mean, especially for me, like I'm I'm a Chinese American actually, and um, I feel like growing up, I wasn't I I wasn't um, I didn't have a lot of role models actually of people that were Asian American actually, honestly. Um, being out there and like in the media, even not, not even just publishing, but like in the media, you know, like period. So I feel like I have an obligation actually as a uh, Asian American to be like really out there and um, promoting my work and say, yes, you know, you can be, you know, you can write books for a living. You can draw pictures for a living. It's not something that was even, I didn't even know was possible when I was uh, a kid, actually. I imagine I don't want to put words or thoughts into your mouth or head, but I imagine some of that came into conceptualizing Dream Big. It's very global. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, it, you know what? I spent a lot of time thinking about which women I wanted to put in this book. I know for those of the people who don't know, the book is about, is like an, um, like a, it's an inspiring kind of homage to 15 uh, trailblazing women in history. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to make the group as diverse as possible because that was really, really important to me. Um, and, um, I was actually really inspired to write the book, um, after the 2016 elections, which I'm sure a lot of people (laughs) were inspired. You know, there's been a lot of these kind of books that have come out, like a lot of, um, female um, empowerment and um, girl power books that have been coming out in the last few years. Um, and, um, you know, I, I mean, there, 
I just didn't see a lot for like a really, really, really young age group. And, you know, that's the book that I, that's the genre that I kind of specialize in. So I, I felt the urge to kind of create one that I could actually read to like my, you know, my two-year-old daughter. I mean, at the time when I came up with the idea, my daughter was only, she was only like mm-hmm. nine months old. So, um, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe the fact that I had a daughter, you know, and, um, and just thinking about, you know, the, the elections and, you know, we, we tell our, our children or our, our daughters that, you know, you can be anything that you want to be, but like, is that really true when it doesn't really mirror real life? Like we actually haven't actually had a female president yet, you know, no matter what your politics are, I feel like we actually haven't had a female president. So, I mean, what are we telling them when we tell them that, you know, and I just wanted to just kind of like highlight all these women that did like really amazing things and, um, just get them, you know, um, expose them to, um, these women. Um, and I think it's important for boys and girls to kind of be exposed to that. And at a very early age, you know, it's never too early, I think. I mean, definitely from a boy's perspective, exposing boys to something other than dominant masculinity is really positive. But I just, my, my own personal reflection on that is I know that your daughter is a little bit older than my younger daughter, but I remember, I mean, again, you know, regardless of your politics, I looked at the 2016 election with my daughter's birth coming up in three months after that uh, as a really encouraging, like, oh Mm. man, I can't wait to see, I I can't wait to um, experience what this is like, this first, and to have both my daughters grow up where it's possible to have a female president. But uh, yeah, things went a very different way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I was thinking, I think, I think that I was imagining, you know, my daughter was only like a baby. She was just nine months old. Um, and I was thinking, wow, she's going to like grow up in, in a very, almost like, a, 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 um, you know, um, in a, something that I never had or could even imagine. And, um, you know, it just went a different way. So, um, you know, I personally, you know, I was, I was personally disappointed, but you know, this isn't, you know, I, but I think in a good way, it fired up a lot of people. I think that, you know, um, we have more women in politics now than we've ever had. And, um, you know, I think things are going in. Hopefully, hopefully generally. Positive. I hope. <laughs> I hope yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's hard to sort of like be a, <laughs> be a political with this, this, uh, <laughs> this uh, subject. So, um, uh, you know yeah, what? I That's know. okay. This, this this podcast is about is about being. Uh, <laughs> you can cut that part out. <laughs> this podcast is about being honest. I know sure. people are just so tired of. Yeah, people are just so tired of politics. I know. I at this point, I mean, I am. I I know I am. But like you know, there's no way to you know I go about talking about sometimes what inspired me to write this book without mentioning that. But you know. Um, but um, I mean, I did go to an all women's college too, and I feel very strongly about um, yeah. female empowerment. So um, this is a, a very left turn and not in my notes, but um, it, I was looking okay. at Twitter last night, and um, and I'm not sure if you're aware of Jason Kander. He's a Midwest politician who's like a rising star, and dropped out of politics to focus on his own uh, PTSD and mental health. And, um, he had a, like a, ask me anything on Twitter last night that I was looking at and, mm-hmm. and people were asking him, how do you get involved? How do you make a difference? And his, um, his advice being a 
politician or former or future, whatever, uh, was, you know, go knock on doors and make phone calls. But the thing that's, the thing that occurs to me is that I've always taken issue with that advice being good advice, but also being very limiting in terms of really specifically prescribing the ways in which you can make a difference and be activated. Um, I, I think that the ways in which people are activated by things like the 2016 election uh, are, are across the board. I mean, I, uh, you know, you, you've mm-hmm. written, I think, on your blog about the, your daughter being the inspiration for Dream Big, but it sounds like the, the 2016 election was a big part of that. And reaching kids is maybe the best way to affect change. Right. I mean, I, you know, I think a lot of us, I mean, I did felt powerless when all that was happening. And I f- was thinking about, well, what could I do? What could I contribute? contribute? Um, and, you know, I have, how can I reach people? And I think for a lot of us authors and illustrators, it's through books, you know, um, that's our greatest strength at this moment um, for a lot of us. And so I think that's why you've been seeing a lot of you know, an influx of books that are, you know, encourage children to be, you know. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And it's, it's really nice to be able to, to fill our shelves with things like dream big and she persisted and, and not just talk about them, but have tangible things that you can hold and say, look, look at this, either look at this person who created this or look at this person who this book is about um, and have some better representation out there. Exactly. I mean, it's great, though, because there's like there's a lot of movements going on in Kidlet too. you know, like the We Need Diverse Books. And I'm actually a, a, um, an il- the, the illustration mentor this year for We Need Diverse Books. So um, I'm mentoring this really wonderful. We, we were able to select people submitted work and we were able to select the person we wanted to work with. I'm working with this really wonderful um, up and coming, coming illustrator named um, Adriana um, Bergstrom. And um, yeah, we're working on... Um, a bunch of books. And um, so it's well, great. T- can you take me um, through that? Because that's not something I was aware of. What does it mean to be the We Need Diverse Books illustration mentor? Is it a one-on-one relationship that she was selected for? Yes. It's a one-on-one relationship for an entire year. And they pretty much, I mean, we decide how we want the relationship to be structured, but I just basically give, she has full access to me. I've, she texts me. She, we have, I like to have um, like a catch up phone call with her at least once a month if we can. Um, and um, she can ask me anything. And I, she, ha- I have, I've looked at like manuscripts and book dummies. I've given her um, critiques on things and, and um, uh, they have, uh, we need diverse books. Is, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's a, it was, it was a, a movement started to try to um, help to grow more diverse voices in the publishing world. So we uh, there's there there were different categories that you can you know they have a mentor for um, picture book writers and they had a, a category for YA and uh, middle grade and all every all different categories and then um, you know we I was invited to be the illustration mentor. Uh, uh, this year. And so um, they basically had a call for entries and people, uh, I believe that the, it's coming up this year for those of, uh, who might be listening, who might be interested um, in uh, participating. Uh, I think it's in October, actually, when you, they have, a, it's, I believe it's We Need Diverse Books.com. And you go there and you can, I believe they require, depending on what genre you're 
you work in, they had you submit, like, I think for the illustration, they had them submit like a book dummy, uh, if you had one, and then like your portfolio. And then the person who's the mentor for that year will looks through them and decides who they think that they could help and um, who, you know, who they want to work with. So what happens? I mean, it's such a great, I think it's a great program. I think Samantha, actually, Samantha Berger is also a mentor this year. She is a mentor for, um, for picture book. Yeah, I think that's right. I remember that being referenced in our conversation a couple months ago, but that's super cool. Is Is there an expected work product from your relationship as part of this mentorship to further the aims of We Need Diverse Books? There isn't any real requirement just that we have to, uh, you know, mentor our mentee for an entire year. I, uh, a lot of, I mean, the people who I would imagine who are, you know, participating in this program um, generally already are working on something and have things. Uh, shortly after my mentee signed up, uh, or shortly after we started working together, she actually signed on with an agent and um, she already has mm-hmm. things out on submission. So, and it's, um, this all kind of happened after because, I mean, I think it it's nice because once the mentees are um, selected, you know, there's, uh, you know, word goes out on Twitter and all these things. And I think it helps boost their, you know, their name as well and their work a little bit. There have been, there have been past mentees who've had things published actually since, or um, acquired since they've signed on. So, but there, yeah, there is obviously, uh, obviously we can, we can help them all that we we can, but there's no guarantees, obviously, of, um, you know, being published or um, we just hope that they get, you know, um, as much as they can from the relationship, sure. you know, from our, you know, our experiences and um, our expertise. And uh, yeah, I think it's and I, I you know, I, I, I mentor about everything from from marketing to um, to how you set up files to, you know, everything. That's, and that's really the gamut is uh, how, yeah. how do you save files on your computer? Yeah. To how do you like reach your audience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, being an author or, you know, author or an illustrator is like, um, you're like, a, I always like to look at, look at myself as like a little company, actually, because you really do wear many different hats. And luckily, you know, I had um, my own greeting card business before I got into publishing. So I'm kind of used to wearing all those hats. And I think if anything, it really helped me out a lot. Like, I'm not afraid to spend money on like marketing. I'm not afraid to, you know, um, to get out there and put my work out there and, um, be, you know, utilize all sorts of social media, pay for Facebook ads. You know, I'm willing to try anything, uh, actually, because I found that you actually don't really know actually where you have the um, best engagement without actually trying it. Um, and so I'm not afraid to do the, those things that companies do, you know, to promote their product. Um, books are a product at the end of the day. I know we talk about inspiring kids and that's, um, you know, that's part of it, but there's also this other side, the business side, right? And some, some of us are shy away from the, or like you wish that there, this business side didn't exist, right? In a perfect world, it probably wouldn't, right? We could all put, put books out there that we want to, but like, you know, if you want these books to reach kids, you know, there's, there's gotta be, you know, I feel like, you know, you have to like do, do the um, hustle, put in, Kinda. Yeah, and do the hustle. Exactly. I'm glad you bring all this up because this is one of the big things that I wanted us to talk about that I feel very um, 
is cl- close to my heart. I didn't come from publishing or any of that, but I have been a small business owner and it did not go well because I do not manage myself very well at mm. all. I don't do the business. Right. And so, oh. you know, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We're, we're talking for two reasons. One, because of your, <laughs> your 10 year anniversary post. And I, I want to mm-hmm. spend a whole bunch of time on that if we can, but two, mm-hmm. two, and uh, I guess, I guess more importantly, my daughter's obsessed with uh, pug meets pig. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, but there's not much to talk about. Except that that's <laughs> like we read that we read that before bed most, most nights. So, but um, you are refreshingly transparent on your blog about mm-hmm. what came before publishing, mm-hmm. um, and it's really I think helpful to read through that struggle and and make that real uh, for people. Uh, it's real, you know. It made your experience as an author much more real to me and that sort of thing I see as, as really effective mentorship in itself. It's, it's less personal, but seeing, oh, wow, Joyce Wan does a lot of cool stuff. She had the same struggle that I'm going through. There may be a light at the end of the tunnel uh, is, mm-hmm. is really meaningful. Did you, before you got, before you, I guess, pivoted to publishing, you characterize it how, how you, you will, I guess, but um, did you have somebody like you <laughs> as a mentor um, to get a foothold in this industry? No, honestly, um, I feel like being an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur and, and maybe it's less so these days, but like 10, even 10 years ago, because, you know, with, um, Instagram and, and, you know, everybody's an influencer these days, but back like 10 years ago, it was actually pretty lonely. Like all my friends, you know, I started my company when I was like 25. And so all my friends were, you know, in their, corporate jobs. You know, I, I was living in New York City. I'm in New Jersey now, but I was living in New York, in New York City. So, you know, um, you know, I always questioned whether I was doing the right thing. But in my heart, I just knew that that I that there was there wasn't a choice for me. And actually, honestly, I was making like, like, crap money, like, you know, as as so I didn't actually have anything to lose, you know, like some people, they get too comfortable. And then it's hard for them to make that jump, you know, or make that leap. But for me at the time, um, at 25, um, I wasn't making a ton of money, actually. I was in architecture, actually. That's what I studied in college. So I was working in an architectural firm and um, I hated it so much. I would like cry, actually, believe it or not, cry <laughs> before going to work every morning. Like it. it was that bad. It was that bad. I mean, I, I really, really hated it. So to me, actually, starting my own company was like the like for me. And it was during that was during the time where the recession was really bad. I went on interviews and I tried to switch careers and I was not getting anywhere. So to me, I was getting, you know, I I, I went on interview job interviews and I was not getting any callbacks and um and um, for me, starting my own business, yeah, like I said, was the, for me, like the light was the light at the end. <laughs> it sounds silly, right? But for me, it was the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and um, and that's kind of what propelled me um, to start my own business yeah. to begin with. But in terms of books, um, go, going into books, um, uh, I didn't really have a particular mentor. Um, I did join SCBWI early on, um, but I actually already had my first book out um, before I started going to conferences. But 
I did make use of like my very, very first book. I actually, oh, because I met my publisher at a trade show because I had a greeting card company and I met my, so I was kind of like, I wasn't actually necessarily looking for it, but because I put my work out there, um, publishing came knocking on my door. So I was traveling the country doing trade shows, selling my greeting cards wholesale. And I was at the, I was at, yeah, I mean, I was at the New York International Gift Fair, but the good thing about that was I felt like that was like, I didn't ever go to art school. So that was, I felt like that was like my art school. Like I would put cards out and this is like over 10 years ago now. So people were still sending greeting cards. (laughs) People are still sending greeting cards, but you know, it was, it was more so then, you know, we didn't have people weren't texting each other there was no wishing someone a happy birthday on on facebook you know like so i was you know i had a greeting card company and i was um putting a lot of you know and you know in the world of um products and retail you guys put new designs out like every season or every two times a year at least and so i would just keep putting cards out and then the ones that sell sold well i would just create more of those and the ones that didn't sell well i would just say okay well that didn't work so it actually if anything that that whole the whole my whole my greeting card business gave me a um a way to kind of um edit myself and to kind of improve my craft and kind of learn what my strengths were and what people wanted from me so I thought that having the green card company was great actually for that aspect. And it made me, you know, want to, um, it gave me an incentive to keep putting out new stuff because I would do these trade shows and they'd cost like $5,000 and um, I would have like a set date to get everything ready, you know, like my, my brochures and my sales sheets and my, um, you know, my cards are, you know, and my, my, my uh, trade show booth. And it was, it was like an entire production. <laughs> Joyce, that sounds like um, a nightmare, just an absolute nightmare from my perspective. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but in some ways it's super, it was very exciting actually when, when the cards really did start selling. Cause in the very beginning, I was actually trying different things. I was like taking like art licensing classes and I was taking a children's book illustration class. I took one with Monica Wellington, like at, at um, the school of visual arts, like years ago uh. before I was really officially launched my greeting card. I was doing all this stuff at the same time. So, and I was, um, I was also taking classes on um, greeting card design and marketing with this really wonderful um, illustrator named Cheryl Phelps. Um, and so I was taking all these classes and things like that. And I was trying to do both. I've even exhibited the art licensing show. But then the greeting card side started taking off. And um, at the height of it all, um, in in the midst of all the craziness, um, I I had orders going out every single day to to like stores, to museum shops, to... um, to bookstores even, I mean, all kinds of places. And um, it was exciting because like, I'm like, wow, people are actually, I'm actually, you know, drawing pictures of like monkeys and people are buying it and (laughs) using it. And it felt great. It was exciting, Um, you know, and I had an actual business. I had people helping me because there was no way that I could pack these orders myself and run the business um, day-to-day operations. I had a, stu- you know, a studio outside because I lived in an, a, sm- a studio apartment. So I had an office outside of my apartment because I had people helping me pack orders and I had orders going out every day. I mean, it was stressful. Like, I'll have to, you know, I'll be honest, it was stressful. And, um, and like I said, in my 
tenure post. I I mean, I never really, though, got a handle of like the finances. Like I just couldn't figure out. And, you know, that's not my strength, you know, like, like you mentioned, like, it's just, I got the kind of like, I could figure out like the, I love the marketing aspect and I could figure out like, like what kind of um, the trends and what kind of designs I can put out there. And, or uh, I love that part of it. Um, I was not a very good manager though. I didn't like managing people and um, I found that out and I, um, I just could never get a handle of um, the finance part of it. Like how do you buy inventory and all that stuff? I just could never wrap my brain around it. And so, I mean, literally, I know, I don't think I mentioned this in my um, post, but I was like in $60,000 credit card debt by the by the tail end of it. But it's weird because I was in that much debt and maybe because I was operating my business on debt, which most businesses do, but I didn't really necessarily have, and I had, because I almost had like rolling capital, like where like money was coming in, but then I would have to invest that money back into my business and then also um, buy inventory and then also invest in new products. And it was just like this never ending cycle. And I just couldn't figure out how to like, get out of that and maybe maybe you don't though maybe all and and I I don't know the answer to this but maybe all companies operate in that way you know that that your you know obviously your income just has to be greater than your you know (laughs) than your debt basically right I'm not sure but so I never figured that all out but um and it was it was it was definitely one of the most stressful times in my life what you just described sounds really familiar to me from a business ownership perspective. I mean, uh, as somebody that hasn't gone through. Wait, what was your, yeah. I'm sorry, I was trying to find your first podcast. And then for those who are not familiar, what was your line of business again? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've talked about it in other yeah, episodes, okay. but you would have no way of, of knowing that. Yeah. So I, um, my background is in journalism. Uh, uh-huh. So I was a freelance photographer and web designer and like ad copywriter and just did did what I could operated like you on debt where I tried different marketing mm. methods and outreach to potential clients and things and um, it got to a point kind of like you where the recession was hitting and I was getting married and thinking about having kids yeah. and a stable lifestyle and it just was not it was not tenable it was not mm. sustainable at all so um Around 20, 2009 or 2010, I, um, I, I kind of cut my ties with that business and hung my hat on the full-time thing, which is much, much easier for me to manage because uh, I only have to do one thing and not 20. Right. So um, you say you say in, your, in, the, in the blog about the 10-year challenge that you, I mean, you're open about this. It feels very crass to ask about it, but you're debt-free. Oh, ask me anything. Oh, sure. yeah. You know what? People are afraid to talk about money. And I think that's that's weird to me because I feel like that opens us up to a lot of, you know, things that are not good. Like, you know, I feel like <laughs> there's, we, we're set up so that we don't talk about it because maybe, you know, in this, I guess in our culture, it's not, you know, it's kind of tacky. Maybe some people think it's tacky to talk about money, but I feel like, you know, I think it's important for us to talk about it sometimes because I don't think, you know, sometimes people don't realize they're not alone or some people realize that they should be, that they're not getting what they should be getting, you know, in terms of fees and things like that. I think now it's a little better though, because there are like Facebook, I think like private Facebook pages where people do talk about things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but um, yeah, I am now and I'm, 
I was like I mentioned, I don't know if you caught this, but I was um, I was actually and I didn't mention this in my post because my husband was like, do you really want to talk about that? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <Pretty specific. laughs> do you really want that out there? Like, but, I, you know, I'll talk about it. I mean, I I was um, at the tail end of it. I was sixty thousand dollars in credit card debt and it was the most stressful period of my life. And, um, you know, um, and it did. I mean, a lot of things were just I would. It was just really bad. I mean, I remember at that point, like crying a lot and asking my husband, like, how much longer should I do this for? Like, it's like, it's just so stressful. And I just, I was just worried. It was digging deeper, you know, into the hole. So, and he would, I mean, God bless his soul. He would be like, give it one more year. You know, like he was one that was like, just give it another year. And the funny thing is, I mean, it wasn't like necessarily that we were in trouble because he had a really good job and everything like that. But I wanted to be able to take care of this myself. You know, I didn't want him. I didn't want dragging him into this mess, you know, that I started. So, yeah, so, to, to fix your business. Debt, yes, kind of, yeah. I, I wanted to know that I could be, you know, self-sustaining and that that, that this is actually going to really work without someone, you know, helping me out or whatever. So, yeah. um he would always be like, give it another year, you know, give it another year. And I'd be like, okay, you know, and I would be like, and, um, and then lo <laughs> and behold, um, I just kept trying. And uh, that was, I think at that point where I was really starting to get really, when my first book had come out, um, it was with a smaller publisher. I had met the publisher at a trade show at the New York gift fair. They had seen these cards with like, I have this first book. It's not an, it's actually just not, it's not in print anymore, but the book was called greetings from Kiwi and pear. Mm -hmm. um, you can still find it, but it was a, pair of monkeys that travel the world and they decided they saw those greeting cards and they said that they had seen my cards in stores before so that was kind of another reason why i always say get your work out there however you can and they saw my they had seen my cards in stores before and they said that they had some of my cards in their office actually um it was with blue apple books and so they published my very very first book and then i think you know it came out and then like you know nothing really happen you know it was great i mean maybe people start taking me a little more seriously i don't know but uh i feel like uh nothing really happened i think that's at that point i was like you know you know how much longer should i do this for i mean i don't know how much longer i can take like even just mentally <laughs> um, i mean saying like to give it another year gosh yeah. when you're in that mindset just feels like just do i really have to i'm not even <laughs> sure i can take like tomorrow <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it was really, really hard. So I actually, but I did take some, um, I did take some action in, in other avenues. Like I started teaching continuing ed courses at um, SVA because uh, mm -hmm. my old greeting card design teacher, she moved to California and they needed an instructor. And I, it was just the right timing. I actually emailed her and said, is there any way you my name in there? And if they need an instructor to teach about anything, she's like, you know what, I'm leaving and I'll put your name in, you know, to take my class. And so I pretty much took over for her. And um, that was actually one of the best things I ever did because uh, I actually wanted to take the classes for twofold reasons. Like I was always actually really um, shy person and I still get very nervous talking in front of a group of people, but I, I felt like teaching a class would help me kind of break out of that a little bit and like think better on my feet. And, um, and so I did that for that. And then also just to have some, you know, just to have some more income, like come in, you know, that wasn't um, just solely, you know, relied on my business. So I taught um, continuing ed and I, um, yeah, and I did a little consulting too. So I was doing that as well as running a business. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, that strikes me to observe that the teaching and maybe the writing of the first book were an attempt. Um, if, oh, if right. I, was in, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like, like diversification. If it, if yeah. it was me, it would be less intentional diversification and more like, I'm, <laughs> let me just see what I can, <laughs> what I can yeah. scrounge together. But, uh, but, but it was um, not so much hanging your hat on one product line or one type of thing. Oh, exactly. I always believe that. And I think it was me just also listening to a lot of these, like, um, I used to read a lot of marketing books and listening to a lot of uh, marketing gurus. And, uh, you know, they always talk about how, like, diversifying your income is kind of like the way to, um, you know, being comfortable. So I was, you know, doing that in my own way. You know, I, I was teaching classes. I was doing a little consulting. I had my greeting card business, and then I started doing the publishing. I was trying to get into a little art licensing. That I never quite really somehow broke into it. Um, but I guess publishing, in a way, is kind of like licensing too. So for whatever reason, that worked out for me. I had the first book come out. Um, that had, you know, I mean, it was my first book. You know, it's always I feel like hardest to get your foot in the door, and then that gave me a little confidence to kind of. I didn't have an agent or anything at that time. Um, but the book that actually really changed my career was the second book, The You Are My Cupcake. And that one, I actually had the idea for it. It was based on my greeting cards. You know, You Are My Cupcake is this book of like, it's a board book, but it's kind of terms of endearment that we use for children. Like You're My Cupcake and My Sweet Pea, My Little Pumpkin, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Cutie Pie. I had this idea. It was, it was a line of greeting cards. So in the beginning, a lot of my book ideas came from my greeting card ideas. And then I thought that, oh, that would make a really cute baby book because I already had the baby cards that people would, you know, give with a gift or whatever. I had a line of baby cards that, a new baby cards that had those kind of little sayings on it. And I just baited into a board book and I thought, oh, this would be really cute as a, you know, a baby book. But I actually... <sighs> had the idea like at like at the beginning of the year because you know when we're all like really excited for the year and we have all these ideas and um but then I was like you know what this idea is kind of it's so simple I'm like who's gonna publish this you know like and I actually shelved it for an entire year um and didn't do anything with it w without so, ever submitting it or anything no I didn't submit it I just had oh the idea <laughs> I created it and I just put it away and I you know I got busy and um you know I was still running my greeting card business teaching classes and um uh consulting and all these things and um I um put it away and then finally like in November um I was I couldn't stop thinking about it um and I decided to put it out there and of course like it's like the week of thanksgiving and i'm like you know i get it i still have this idea and I, I feel like those ideas are like you know you gotta pay attention to those ideas that don't ever go away because i feel like there's something there i really yep. believe that now because that idea didn't go away you know i always thought of it in the back of my mind and then finally i was like you know what, I'll, what well, you know what what can i lose by just putting this out there i didn't have an agent yet i decided to i i um joined SEWI. i had joined it and i basically downloaded their what they call the book i think it's called and they have you know all the the, the uh, updated list of um i don't know if people know this but they have this thing on their website if you're a member you can download it and it's i mean it used to be like a print thing so it came with my membership packet but now you can just download it and it's a book with all these publisher um addresses and like whether they're open to submissions and editor names and art director names and all these things and 
luckily, I knew that you're supposed to, because I, I started attending SCWI um, events, um, and I knew that, you know, you should submit things to editors and not art directors. I mean, art directors, I think, have a say, but I think a lot of people tend to make that mistake where they submit things to art directors, and I think that that may help. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like it's the editor that makes the final decision on, on what, you know, illustrators uh, get paired with, what manuscript and what um you know things are acquired so mm-hmm. i submitted thing uh the you are my cupcake i created like eight packets i think and i made it really nice you know because my experience in like presentation in the greeting card world and everything i made it i put it in this like clear like this clear package with like a full illustration of a giant cupcake like on the front and the back there was like this pattern of all the little characters all the little icons like a little pumpkins and like the peanuts and stuff and then i um i mailed it i just i just took a bunch of the um i went to the bookstore and research like who's publishing board books and i just went through the scwi book and i just sent like eight packets i think out to publishers like myself to basically the the slush pile they call it (laughs) how how critical is the packaging and the presentation do you think do you think you it know, would, have, would have had an impact had you not been sort of like using your background in greeting cards? I don't know, but I went to an event years later and heard that somebody else said that they had a friend who got something published and it was sent out in a very um, eye-catching package. So I think it definitely helps. I don't know at the end of the day <laughs> that will, you know, obviously there's nothing, there's no guarantees, but um, I always believe in no matter what you do, whether it's putting a business card out there, a little promotional piece, sending something out, um, it has to be eye-catching. I, I, I think it's because I read this book called The Purple Cow. Have you ever read that book? The, the Purple Cow? Oh, by Seth no, Godin. It's called The Purple Cow. And it's about just oh. like, like, I mean, you could probably guess what it, what it, what it, mean, what it, um, what the book is about by, by the title. But yeah. in some ways, that book changed my, the way I think about pre- about presentation and how I put myself out there. And it's always about standing out and just, um, you know, um, kind of almost like going, you know, going the distance and, and putting in and going the extra mile, basically, in every single thing that you put out there, if you can. <laughs> so, um, so well, I, yeah, so the, yeah. I, it, uh, sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting, yeah. but that, that strikes me as something to delve into is the, the whole, if you can thing. Yeah, which is really hard for a lot of people that are trying to break into any market. Um, right. But children's books, you know, you've got a manuscript, you've got maybe a dummy, and maybe you're not yeah. like you're not a great illustrator, or you don't have the software, the computer, whatever to to make it nice. Um, I, I guess do what you can uh, to to yeah, package I it up it's... as as good as possible. But you can't hang your hat on that, I guess. No, I mean, I would say just do the best that you can. You know, at at, at any time, because at, for me though, I printed everything out, you know, and I just made a little book. I mean, it wasn't even a cardboard. It was like on paper. Um, and I sent it out in a clear package, but it was because I actually always look at when like the way I, the way I got that idea was I always actually, I was looking at what other people do. And I was, I would sometimes pay attention to the junk mail that I would get. I remember getting this junk mail about some kind of conference and it was in this little clear envelope and it was kind of folded in a way that like made me look, look at it and actually, you know, really open it, you know, because like, 
you get junk mail, you just like flip through that stuff and you just toss it, right? But this one piece of junk mail, I mean, in the end, it didn't really apply to me. Um, it was for some kind of conference. I don't even remember what it was, but I still actually remember what the piece looked like. And so I remember it came in a little clear envelope. And then when you open it, it was like this giant poster of like this advertising, this conference. And I thought it was um, really smart and genius. It got me to open it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. So I do that a lot. I look at what other people are doing and how, and, and almost as the, as a receiver of these marketing messages, like how do, you know, what, what makes me, um, you know, uh, act. And right. so, um, so I just kind of in my own way did a version of that piece of mail that I got. And so, um, and I, I mean, I did get rejections. I got some that were sent back so that they weren't allowed to, um, take unsolicited um, submissions. I got some back that were just actually rejections. Um, people sent things back to me. And, um, but, you know, like you've heard this before, it only takes one. And Scholastic uh, actually got back to me within a week of me sending out the, 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 um, oh my gosh. the package. So you can, ne- like, you can never expect that. <laughs> no. And actually, and even, even though they contacted me, I was, obviously super thrilled but it took almost another six to eight months before i actually even got the actual offer so and during that time period i was still agentless and i didn't know like what was going on they said that they were preparing materials to submit this and bring this to the acquisitions meeting and you know i kept checking in with the editor um but uh you know, they would stay, they just kept saying that, you know, how like things in publishing just move very slow, but I didn't, you know, I don't know anything about always know everything about that. Um, I was so new to the industry at that point. And, um, and then finally, um, yeah, I remember like eight, like six to eight months later, um, I got an official offer for that. And then they wanted to, cause they saw my greeting cards and they, I have these greeting cards with pairs of things too. And those were like my wedding cards, actually. <laughs> like I have these hmm. wedding cards that were like pairs of things that go together, like little cute little icons. And they, they, they said, you know, we want to do a book, the You Are My Cupcake, which was the thing I submitted. And then a book called We Belong Together. Um, that was actually I'm looking at it right something, now. <laughs> something that, that was something actually that they kind of came up with after looking at all my designs. Um, and uh, so it was like a two book offer. And luckily after that very first email where they're like, wow, we love this and we're really interested in this. Um, we'll reach out again when we have more information. Um, I started thinking, wow, this could be an actual, you know, a real publishing um, contract and with one of the big publishers. And I didn't want to go go deal with it on my own like I did with Blue Apple Books because I felt like i was kind of shooting in the dark. I mean, I had someone look over the contract that Blue Apples had submitted to me and and everything like that, but I I just felt like I needed more guidance and I wanted someone to help me. I was after after this interest in the second, you know, in another book, I felt like wow, this could actually be a, like a career. So I decided to really go like do, you know, do my due diligence and really consider getting an agent. Um, and so at that time I actually applied to submitted my work to a couple of agents. Um, 
I don't think I really went about it the right way. <laughs> I feel like everything's like not, I never really went about it the right way, but somehow, I mean, you know, thank my lucky stars. I, things just kind of like worked out or fell into place, but I, um, I think I actually, you know, because now that I, know, I have friends in the industry who, who, where, where they tell me about like what they're going through, you know, like about how they're like researching their agents and really like taking the time to like follow them on social media and like meet them and like talk to them and like things like that. I didn't do any of that stuff, and um, but my agent has been really awesome. Uh, I just applied to a couple agents. One agent was one of kind of like one of the best known in the industry. And then the other agent was just somebody that a friend's friend was agented by them, that agent company, agency. And I went through the agency bios and this woman said, my agent, Teresa Kalinsky said she liked, in her bio, she said she liked cupcakes. And I'm like, that's the woman that I want. (laughs) So I basically submitted to her. And um, at the same time, when I got the official offer from Scholastic, she had emailed me and said that she was interested in representing me. And I never heard from the the agent, um, the other agent that um, is very, very well known in the industry. <laughs> so, huh. so you're you're fifty percent uh, good rate <laughs> with agents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, but it's worked out for me. You know, at the, the, at the time, actually, Teresa was um, fairly new. She has her own agent now, agency now called Bookmark Literary. She left Prospect a couple of years ago, and um, she has her own agency. Now now and she's doing very well and she represents a whole, whole bunch of really great um uh authors and author illustrators and uh, she's been awesome she's she's like a friend to me i talk to her like every week and um i think it's because because we kind of built our careers together in a way so mm-hmm. it's been really a wonderful experience and i feel very lucky for that and, but, but that goes to show that like there's not one way to really go about i think i feel like this industry like i feel like there's no you can ask every like a, a, a room of people who are published and like they none of them will have like the same story about how they you know came you know how they it, yeah and, and and that was my reflection based on how you had told the story of not uh, not your break breakthrough but your bre- your breakout i guess yeah. the the uh, you're my cupcake um is that it, yeah it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a wrong approach it certainly strikes me as a better way to enter into a relationship with an agent to say hey i've already got scholastic oh, interested well, in publishing <laughs> actually actually i didn't mention that not it's funny you say that because i actually didn't tell her i oh, didn't wow. tell anybody because like the thing is for me is i always got to know like that I, I really want to, I, I, I always want to know, well, for this thing, I really wanted the person to represent me because they liked my work and saw potential. I actually, and I always kind of feel a little bad about this, but I didn't tell Teresa that I, that Scholastic had emailed me with an offer on the table. I actually didn't tell her that. So we went through like the whole interview process and I asked her questions like, where do you see, um, because she, I submitted the dummy for you, my cupcake. Like, where do you see this book going to? I really wanted to get to know her without this, like, you know what You're I mean? Being very like, sneaky. <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think it's important. You know, because I didn't want an agent representing because because there's an offer on the table. You know, I want them to actually like my work. I feel like that's really important if someone's going to represent your work that they actually really love it, right? So I feel like, and maybe that's why it worked out for me because. I mean, you know, part of the reason why, because she actually really loved my work and um, selected it be- for for that reason, 
you know, and, uh, and then finally when, um, you know, <laughs> we went through the whole process of talking to each other and learning more about each other. Um, that's when I finally came clean and actually told her that, um, that Scholastic had sent me, um, an offer. Yeah. By, by the way, oh. I need your immediate help negotiating this deal. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, oh, wow. Okay. Half the work has been done. No, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. Um, so she's been awesome though. Like, I feel like I, I don't even know, like, um, uh, she's really helped me a lot, like navigating this crazy world that we call publishing. And um, and she is comes from actually the um, art director side, the art side of publishing. So she has a really sharp eye, and I, I, um, she always helps me out too when I'm stuck on um, like even something that's like um, a piece of art, like a cover, a book cover, or something. She has awesome suggestions, and I, I like that that we kind of are on the same wavelength. It's super so, helpful. Yeah. yeah. Have your, I mean, you are what, 24, 25 books and published books. Yes. I know you have more than that. Like in the 25 work, but- books I have right now. I have one, two, three, three under contract. And then I just pitched another to Scholastic. Right now they ha- Scholastic has me on like, uh, they would like a book from me every season if possible. Um, and um, so I will pitch them a, a book and then they'll just basically give, that's just how it worked last time. They, I'll pitch them an idea and like an official, like even after all these years working with Scholastic, I still have to send them something to think that my editor can bring to the acquisitions meeting. And then um, they pretty much um, do, like they'll um, acquire that book and then like those just say two more untitled, um, two more untitled books. Oh, so this is not, I'm going to use a TV term, but this is not like a standing development deal, but this is more like a, our door is always open. Yes. Um, and we, the nice, we believe yeah. in you kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really, actually, it's really great because it forces me to like, really still, you know, I feel like when things are just handed to you, it's like, I feel like it loses its luster a little bit. <laughs> I, I, um, you know, uh, we have these really amazing, you know, they treat me really great. I, we have these amazing brainstorming sessions. I don't know if, you know, I'm very fortunate that um, the books that I have with Classic have been doing extremely well. I think Yarmulke Cupcake has sold either over about 200,000 copies at this point. And wow. Yeah. So <laughs> they, yeah. So I, I always say that that's the book that kind of like gave me my career. So I'm always so thankful for that book that sat in my drawer for like a year, you know. Um, and and the funny thing is, though, that when that book came out, there was two other books that came out with two different publishers that were like about cupcakes. And like, you know, there are, <laughs> you look it up. There are a couple of books called like You Are My Little Cupcake or something. I don't know. There's a couple others. And that made me really nervous. But, I mean, you know, in the end, you know, um, the best book prevailed. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> you can feel proud about it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I don't even know what we're talking about now. Um, <laughs> cupcakes. Yeah, cupcakes. Well, I, I was curious if your, I, I guess the question that I had written down was, has, has your process of submitting with the packaging and all that stuff uh, changed? Which I, I think we've answered that to a certain extent in the sense that you have a really good relationship with Scholastic and yes. that your door, your door is always open. Uh, do you, do you submit anything to them that they've rejected over the last oh, few years? Oh yes, yes, definitely. So like, um, uh, there's a book called, uh, um, 
Uh, oh, the whale in my swimming pool. Um, believe mm-hmm, it or not, that mm-hmm. was um, that was one of the earlier books that I submitted to them as a picture book, and they rejected that. So the nice thing about that, though, is that if they reject it, because they have, you know, it's courtesy. You know, sometimes it's in contracts, but sometimes it's kind of even just common courtesy to submit your next book to your, you know, your last publisher. Um, so I uh, we submitted that to them. At, that, at this point, I'm already represented by Teresa, and we submitted. Uh, the whale and my swimming pool, and they they turned it down. So um, that gave me the opportunity at that point to we we submitted it widely to a variety of publishers, and that mm-hmm. book <laughs> was rejected by a bunch of publishers actually before it was actually acquired by FSG. And um, I mean, um, and it's a very I mean, I I it was. I don't know if you've seen that book, but it's actually a very very quirky book. But I'm always so. Um, I mean, I can't say I'm necessarily surprised, but it's, um, but it's nice. I mean, I'm happy to say that it's, that book has actually out, out earned its advance. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, love that book and I still get, um, you know, messages about it, uh, to these days. Uh, it came out a while ago though. I think, um, I feel like 2014 maybe something like that. Yeah, that that sounds right. I've got both that and Bear in My Bed in front of me here, and they're very, um, they're very endearing uh, it, from the from the subgenre of exasperated children, <laughs> which I think is really it's really like a funny way to present a situation for this little boy to be so just like driven crazy by this outrageous situation, which is a flip from what usually happens, which is that kids are driving us crazy. Right. And I think, well, I think subconsciously too, at that time, I, I, I was, when I wrote that book, actually, that was during, like, I was still in deep in my greeting card business craziness. And, um, you know, I felt like I had hit this big stumbling block and didn't know what to do. And some, in some ways, I feel like subconsciously, maybe I was pouring all of that out in this book, the frustrations and the, <laughs> um, you know, in, in a kid's book. So, um, but, um, in a way that kids can understand, you know, um, that we all get frustrated about things and that. It's, you know, yes. <laughs> it's, now that you presented that way in, <laughs> now that you presented that way with the whale, uh, as, as an analog for, uh, you know, bi- your business situation, that seems insurmountable, <laughs> it's really relatable. To, to, what am I supposed to do with this big thing? Yes. Uh, I'm just going to leave it behind and go to bed. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But then, of course, you know, you can't go to bed because you go to your bed and there's something else there. So there's always something else, right? <laughs> Is the bear your husband? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. No. Um, Shout out to my husband. Without him, you know, thanks for your support. No. <laughs> so you had probably a good number of books out before you ever became a parent yourself. Yes. So you have an existing relationship with a publisher you have an existing relationship with an agent how did having your daughter change the dynamic of how you work has it changed the pace of books that you're able to publish yes definitely like i'm like who get who has time to work now um yes i mean i feel at at times and maybe any parent can relate to me right now i don't know um at times i feel like i'm just doing enough to just kind of keep my career afloat (laughs) So, um, it's harder for sure. She's young. She's three years old right now. Um, there were times where I was, when she was just born and, um, she, I didn't start, I I actually, sorry, I'm fortunate enough that I was able to find, um, 
to be able to send her to, um, at that point in my career, I was able to send her to a daycare, but not until she was, I didn't feel comfortable leaving her at daycare until she was like a year, uh, one years old. So, I mean, in some ways, I'm so grateful for this career that I'm flexible enough to be able to do that. And then other ways, it's just like, uh, it's like I, it's so hard to find time. And then like your time now, my time now is broken up into little pieces. I almost have to like relearn how to work now. I used to have like these, you know, huge chunks of time um, to just kind of sit here and like, you know, brainstorm and stuff. And, but now, um, not only are my chunks of time broken up, but, um, my brain just, I was just talking to a bunch of, I'm on this Facebook page of like, um, and anybody who wants to be part of this page, just let me know because I can invite you. It's a private page of these authors, these women, mostly it's actually right now it's all women, but it's basically called long time writer, new parents. And it's about, it's a bunch of us women in there right now. I mean, I'm sure it's open to, to, to men. Cause I don't, I don't think it's, it's just for women. I didn't start the page. Um, it's about it's about just us, you know, parents who are also authors, you know, who have been authors and who are authors first and then became parents. I was just talking. We were all talking about how like our brain just can't even contain all the information that we, you know, used to we used to have. I used to, like how, how do you even get like have for, have like room in your brain to um, come up with ideas or to work out that plot or to um, figure out the ending of that story. But then also, you know, remember that we need to like pick up the milk because, you know, they don't, you know, or remember that doctor's appointment or that the clothes in her, you know, she's trying to outgrow those leggings in her drawer, you know, like there's all these little like <laughs> details that, that parents and that, or that she needs, you know, um, to bring in something to daycare next week, a uh, show and tell. And like, there's all these things that, now take up that space, you know, in my brain that I used to have um, to just think of things. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's, so, it's so so easy to be in business and have multitasking be so like roundly criticized as not a good idea. But especially in your situation, it, um, another working working parents that have like less day jobby careers where they're solely focused on what their day job is for eight hours at a time. Right. Uh, so hard to do that task switching and so easy to say, I, you know, I got to whittle away at this mountain of parent stuff um, and never get to a four hour block of like writing or doing the illustrations for the next peep book or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's really, really it hard. It's tough. I have to, like, we were talking about how like, it's, it's almost like I have to, I have to, I've had to relearn how to work. I'm, and I'm, the unfortunate thing is I'm actually usually a night owl, but as you know, children have their own schedules and they don't care about yours. So yep. I've had to kind of learn. I mean, there were, there are some nights where I'm on a roll and, you know, it's hard to get into that, that mind space where I'm on a roll where I feel like, um, things are pouring out or, um, you know, I'm surfing along. So I just, I just plow onward, but of course, then sometimes I've had like three hours of sleep. So it's, that's a really hard habit to break. I feel like I don't know how people have been able to make that switch, but there are some nights where I do just stay up till like three or four in the morning and just work because it's like the only time where, where my daughter is asleep and, and, and it seems like nobody is, um, awake <laughs> i'm like everybody's asleep no <laughs> so you know uh social media is a little quieter you know there's the people in california that are still awake you know sometimes by three you know when it's three o'clock my time but but you don't have to worry about know, them that much i don't have to worry about them no, <laughs> but uh 
you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, I'm like, like you'll sleep when you're dead. Right. I don't know. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and and you hope that 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 lack of sleep doesn't impact too many other aspects I know. of your life and spread. Yeah, your it's hard. I mean, I try not to. Th- I mean, and the amazing thing is, um, is that I felt like I had more energy to do that when I was younger, and I used to pull a lot of late nights and a lot of all nighters, and that's just the best. It's just, for some reason, that's just how my brain works. I just think best, and I I wish I was like a morning person because I feel like. You know, it just feels a little more healthier. I don't know. So um, I um, I used to be able to pull all-nighters in my 20s and be able to, like, just bounce right back. You know, I just need one day of rest, and I'm, like, you know, back in business. But these days, like, if I try to pull an all-nighter or sleep, you know, you know, because I have a deadline or something like that, or I'm on a roll, and I don't sleep till like, 4 or 5, then have to be up because my daughter gets up at, like, 8 or, like, 7.30 or whatever, then I'm kind of, like, my brain's kind of, like, shot for, like, two or three days. It yep. just takes me, like, a week to recover. I'm like, wow. I'm like, if... Oh, I'm like, like, how many people like really actually know that? Like, I mean, I don't know if this is like, if, if it's like everybody or if it's just me, but I'm like, uh, do, do, do people like in their twenties, like know this, that like, you have so much more energy when you're like, <laughs> it's not actually a myth. It's true. <laughs> you know it in your head, but not your heart. Maybe like, yeah. <laughs> I know that I didn't appreciate the energy that I had when I was in my twenties for sure. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what you're missing until it's gone. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm just like, I. it's just crazy, you know, like how much your body can take when you're, yeah. you know, how much more your body can take. Yeah. All, all that said, uh, <laughs> the difficulty aside, I mean, I, I was looking at your blog and looking at your, your, you know, how much you've published in the last several years. And just in 2018, you still had like five books come out, which I, I know that the, that, that they had been in the works probably for a couple of years before that, but you have yeah. still managed to be quite productive. Yes. Um, you know, it helps that I do really love what I do. And I feel like that I, I worked so hard to get here that like, that there's no way that I'm just going to let this go right at this point. You know what I mean? Like, and I really do love my career and, and it helps that I, that this is what I do full time. You know, I have my, I have a studio in my house where I can actually get it, come up here and work. I have an attic in my, I have a um, attic studio where I work in my house. And, um, you know, she is in daycare. I mean, it started with just like two, you know, I kind of ramped my way up there. Um, I, you know, she was going two days a week and then three days and four. Now she goes four days a week for like a normal, like a school hour, uh, you know, like nine to three. And, um, you know, that gives me a big, a nice chunk of time to do work. And then also, you know, I've gotten to a point where the books with Scholastic are doing well. So in some ways, you know, and all, and I do get often books uh, where editors reach out to my agent and said, would Joyce like to, you know, it's not like a constant you know, hustle now these days necessarily as much as it used to be. You know, I have all these books out there that, you know, um, are, you know, successful in publishers' eyes. And so I do get uh, offers to illustrate books that just kind of get presented to me, which is kind of one of the perks of, um, you know, I guess having been working in the industry for a while now, and um, so that's why some of those books, like the the um, the illustrator only books, are ones that were kind of came my way because uh, you know an editor found and uh, has a manuscript that they thought would be a really good fit um, with my style of illustrations. And Pug and Pig, uh, Pug meets Pig, and mm-hmm. Peep and Egg, both just right. 
are are great for your your illustration style. Do you have any um, any misgivings? I don't know if that's the right word. Um, uh, with embarking on being an illustrator on a, a book that somebody else has read, uh, that plus the, you know the notion of of both of those series that I mentioned turning into series. Do you have an expectation right. that that'll happen before you in, embark on something well, uh, that you're just illustrating? I think sometimes you have to be careful what you, cause like when, um, sleepyheads and, um, uh, well, when pug, uh, when was it uh peep and egg came out, um, it was just originally just a two book, uh, offer. And then two books spiraled into four books because the other, uh, the author submitted Laura Gal. She's, really great she submitted two more manuscripts that they love so much that it became two books snowballed into four books and then um pug meets pig and it just happened all at the same time and because those were with different um publishers pug peep and egg is with fsg uh, macmillan and then uh, uh pug meets pig is with um beach lane books simon schuster and then what was started out as a one book offer became two books when um sue Galleon submitted another manuscript and actually that's going to be a third book um even though it's been years later it's going to be a third book and um so um and that did tie me up for a while you know and I had all these ideas that I wanted to do and I mean I was but in one hand I was so grateful for these books that just kind of you know appeared and uh, I had a really great time doing them it was a really great experience um but then it was also like be careful what you wish for because you know I was I think at that time, uh, my daughter had just been born. I was like nursing and drawing at the same time. I was multitasking. Um, so there was just a lot happening. Um, yeah, there was a lot happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, it doesn't sound, <laughs> and those are, those are mother's struggles that, that dads can only ever uh, empathize with or sympathize with, I guess. But I love those books. Like they're just so fun to read. Like I love reading yeah, Peep and Egg. Yeah. Like, and I love reading. And Sleepyheads actually is another one that was an illustrator. Um, that was before my daughter came along. Actually, though, but um, but that was a really fun because that was the first time I got to like break out of like digital illustration. That one is like one of my first, my very first books where I actually did it all in pencil and then um, digitally colored it. But everything is rendered in pencil. So that was kind of like my okay. first kind of foray into kind of, you, you know, non-digital, not completely digital artwork. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. one of the only ones I haven't got my hands on to look at yet, but the art style is very different. And it's nice to have that flexibility to not say like, I want Joyce Wan for her, her very specific greeting card informed art style. Right. I mean, there's definitely publishers that come to me wanting that, like wanting like what I did for Scholastic, but I'm kind of very loyal to Scholastic and I try to just, it's hard, but you know, there, there have been publishers that have, um, have um, uh, reached out to me pretty much wanting like the same thing, but I just feel like it's very important to kind of just keep it where it is right now. And it's hard, actually. I'm still trying to figure that all out, too. Like, is there is there a way to, like, you know, do something like this, but for another publisher? I don't know. You know, I don't really know, you know, how, how that works and and if that is even appropriate or I haven't figured that out, honestly. So, um, but right now, you know, things are working out with Scholastic. They, like I said, like, we, we have brainstorming sessions at least, like, twice a year where I go in and we, we just talk about ideas it's like really awesome and they're they've been really 
really great to work with. Um, and I always feel like it's a, like a collaboration when I, when I work with them and they always make my work even better. I'm generally curious about like teacher's guides and activity sheets. And I, I, I imagine that that comes with the territory of having Scholastic as your publisher. Uh, no, that's just something I choose to do myself and that I pay for myself because I always like to think I liked, I would like, um, you know, to not even, not only just to give educators, um, a guide on how to use, they can use my book in the classroom, but to just even give myself because I'm not well-versed in, in that area necessarily. So um, generally I actually usually reach out to a couple people for those um, things. There's a, a friend of mine named Marcy Colleen. Um, she's an author herself. Um, she used to be um, an educator herself. So um, she does, uh, she creates teacher's guides um, for authors. And then there's another um, woman that I use named um, Debbie Gonzalez. Um, and she's like her, I think her company's Guides by Deb. And she also creates guides um, based on um, the Common Core state standards um which is really yeah like so if you look at dream big i have a couple ones there um the one that's created by marcy was it's for a younger um age group um and then the one created by um deb um is for um as you can see p uh pre-k through first grade Mm -hmm. um and the one yeah so um and it's great because um, they they also help me see how uh, ways that my books can be used um, in classrooms, and I use a lot of these things too when I do my talks. And it's really it's really helpful for me. That's kind of in in uh, partly why I also like um, getting these made. Sometimes publishers will make things for you um, as well. Like there's a pea in the peep and egg. Um, I'm not hatching has a um, our activity kit, which they, the publisher created. So I okay, we did do yeah. a teacher's guide for that, but there is an activity kit, which the, um, which the publisher created. So. Yeah. The presumption on my part was that this was publisher driven based on the fact that it is so clued into different age groups and education levels and interactivity levels. Um, but, but hearing, I'm glad I asked, cause I'm, I'm hearing that it's driven from your perspective as like a value add is good marketing on your part is a good decision mm-hmm. to diversify and help people talk about your work. So it's good. A, a yeah, good and tool I think to use. Yeah. Yeah. Not even teachers, but, um, there's a lot of people like, you know, home, you know, people who homeschool their kids and then, um, a lot of parents who, um, want some tips on how to talk about the book, you know, with their children, um, that will give them some, um, you know, ideas and yeah. activities that they can do with their, kids because um yeah i feel like it just helps to kind of add more value to the to the book so uh i mean you're you're really hitting your stride now um your daughter's getting a little bit older um older enough for your your days to be manageable hopefully Mm. and for you to be able to get kids sleep in the nighttime any plans on diversifying or changing things up at any point uh not at the moment uh that's a beautiful thing about this industry is that there's always room to grow. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I am now. I do have interest to do, you know, to maybe to try to write another picture book, maybe even, um, I know that, um, that 
there have been a, a, a publisher, a couple of publishers, because Scholastic would be interested too. Uh, you know, uh, you know those those like early graphic novels are really popular right now. But I feel like I need to to kind of like um, learn more about that before I kind of um, dive into that world. Um, but they would love to see an early graphic novel from me. And it's and and a publisher. There's been there was a publisher who actually was basically handing me. Um, an untitled contract um, if I wanted to do one with them. To, and to so, illustrate or write and illustrate? To or? write and illustrate in a graphic, an early graphic novel, basically. Wow. So, wow. yeah. So in my, like in my style and my voice kind of thing. So, um, you know, so it's definitely on my mind because, you know, I, and uh, so that's kind of something I'm, you know, thinking about these days. Yeah. Um, but. Do you? There's an observation in here. I don't know how much of a cartoon person you are, but it mm-hmm. strikes me to observe that things in cartoons are moving in a in a in a Joyce Wan type of direction. In the mm-hmm. sense that, like looking at your books, the things that come to mind are cartoons like Adventure Time or yes. um, or mm-hmm. Steven Universe, a, a simpler, flatter right. style. And then I think the popularity of you know Ben Clanton's. Um, narwhal and jelly i'm sure you know those Mm. have kind of helped catapult that just this really simple really cute um early graphic novels and i i actually read about his story about how it took him years to even find a publisher who was able to figure out how to place that you know because it's really young and it's you know a graphic novel but i i mean obviously the success of that has shown that there's always room for something new, it just takes, you know, an editor or a publisher to, to kind of take the chance. The first time, right. So, but I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I do see that. I, I love things like that too. I mean, I grew up with uh, growing up in the eighties. Like I love Hello Kitty and all the Sanrio stuff. I used to collect it. It was like part of my childhood. And um, I'm just, I just feel like it's almost like a dream come true to be able to like, you know, draw these cute pictures Um for a living really yeah. so and it took a bit of a path to get there yes oh definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you, you i mean <laughs> you you stick to it and uh and and it works out you know referencing the 10-year challenge uh blog post on your website too is the the notion of sticking with it and believing in yourself you have that in several of the 10 points um don't be afraid to pivot uh i'm not yeah, looking at it pivot, at the moment yeah but, um yeah Yeah, pivot like meaning like just try different things too like i mean try as many different things as you can i i feel like yeah don't i i sometimes i wonder like what if i just kept that you know you're my cupcake in my drawer and just never thought that it was worth showing to anybody i i I don't know like it's just sometimes i like telling that story because it just shows like you just never know like and sometimes it is about maybe sometimes it's about timing um i'm not sure like there's no rules i feel like to this you know publishing game so except for tenacity and flexibility (laughs) i guess (laughs) tenacity and flexibility and the willing to kind of yeah to learn too well i'm happy for the for the all the success that you've had thus far and really look forward to more And, and again i i reference just the affinity that both my kids have uh being two and a half and six to the illustrations that you put into your books and and the stories you tell, it's really yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, sure. I always uh, always uh, happy to talk about the business side of things too. Like I, 
don't feel like we we hear a lot about craft, but not necessarily a ton about the business side. So, which is its own craft. Yes, exactly. Thanks, Joyce. Any parting wisdom? Aside from um, the last hour plus of wisdom <laughs> that you've shared, you know, just like, like I, you know, what I say, you know, what I'm trying to get through and, and dream big that, you know, no matter who you are or where you come from, that we all have the capacity to contribute, contribute something positive to the world. Thanks, Joyce. What a good note to end on. Yeah. Thank you so much. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind our cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show, renegenerate.com, and joshmoncourts.com. See you next verse. Bye.